planet Earth's a rocket wagon train upon a journey. And what if aliens don't fight an actress named Seth Gurney? We're not a bunch of geeks who live in basements, sleep on futons, but who wouldn't stream our podcast if we're calling it Space Croutons. It's an intergalactic, robot automatic, moon dust sporadic trip around the sun. It's a totally terrific, proven scientific, freaking fantastic phaser set to fun. It's space crew talk. We think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple cute. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add space crew for lunch. With Neil Diamond? Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Croutons. Hello again, listeners, to another episode of Space Croutons. Curdy Clammerwood here, once again broadcasting live from our cozy mobile studio known as Van Helsing, located in yet another secret and secure location, along with our constantly curious co-host, Sally. What's doing, Sally? Curdy, as you know, I have been monitoring telecommunicative conversations between Dandy and Flint since we left the Woodent via voice recording app I downloaded to Flint's phone while he was distracted by your constant use of the word Kordak. Which, I might add, seemed to have a most deliciously deleterious effect on him. Ha ha. My programming has red-flagged conversations that included the words, objects, Kordaks symbols, or mission. I have downloaded a relevant conversation which you and our audience should listen to at this time. <sighs> Another one, Sally? What makes you think that this conversation is any more valid or important than the last two dozen? I'm getting a little worn out listening to their ramblings. As my daddy used to say, it's basic algebra. You've got a ding axis and you've got a dang axis. So quit your john and get to the ding dang point. Well, that's exactly how I feel about those two. In fact, this is a great segue to our sponsor of the day, Mac Macrame, with his original tune, Too Many Words. Yesterday I was so tired, and you were tired too. We just stuck around the beating of our hearts. But then you started laughing.
There you have it, Sally. Like Max says, there's too many words. Admittedly, Curdy, the program at the outset was too general, but I have made refinements that have vastly improved the outcomes derived from it. This conversation would be to our benefit, I am certain of it. Well, now don't get your microprocessor in a twist. I get that you're only artificial intelligence. No one expects you to get it right first time every time. All right, let's hear the conversation you say is so relevant. As you wish. Do you really think it was wise to lie to Curdy after you assured him that you would tell him the truth about our mission and how the objects came to Earth? My dear friend, you as an earthling and human know firsthand the failings of human beings, their innate selfishness, their greed for money and power. Do you for one minute think that if Curdy knew the true power of the objects that he would come over to our side? We had to give him a story that made sense to his finite mode of thinking. That's been your problem since we started this mission. You underestimate the human race. Not all of us are selfish, greedy, power-hungry individuals. How can you think that after associating with me for all these years? You are right, of course. But the trends are most obvious, and I must admit that I feel as a representative of the human race you are a one-off, dissimilar in most every way. Yeah, I don't know whether to be offended or complimented by that assessment. Still, I think you oversimplified it to say that the Quadacs were lost here like a misplaced cell phone? That's the opposite of the truth. The actual story, the truth of our mission would have resonated with Curdie and would have been much more sympathetic. You know I can't tell that story again. I wish I had never told it to you. It's too painful and I refuse to share it with a complete stranger. Notice I didn't say a perfect stranger. Yeah, I admit Curdie is a character. Not any of my friends or co-workers would have given up their lifestyles, careers, family, and friends to drive around the country in search of stories about the weird and unexplainable. I still think you should have told him the truth, though. The very fact that he did give up everything he knew, all of his comforts and his routines, shows him to be something of a crusader. Maybe he and I are more alike than you know. We're on the very definition of a crusade. Our mission saves more than planet Earth. If those objects fall into the hands of the dissidents, life in all of the universe is in danger. No one and nothing is safe. You don't have to reprimand me. Finer gave up his very life force to change the Corducks into this earthly objects so they couldn't be used by the dissentients. I begged him not to do it. I pleaded with him to give us time to think of another way. Our planet Quell was in the midst of a civil war. It looked as if the dissentients were going to overcome the quellings. We were meeting with the leader's council when Finer became persuaded that our efforts to defeat the dissentients would take too long, especially in the light of the deadlock in the leader's council. You quellings were the ones who believed in the non-interference policy, just like the Starfleet Prime Directive. <laughs> and the dissidents were the ones who wanted to open the floodgates into other worlds to plunder the resources there for the good of quell, right? That is so like you, Flint, relating the most precious standard of the entire history of my planet and comparing it to a television series from your 1960s. Essentially, though, you are correct. Finer could not delay his decision to protect the space portal ruins because he knew that as long as they were intact, the universe was vulnerable. You told me that your husband... We don't call our life mates that term on Quell. Sorry. So sorry. 
You told me that your life mate Fina was the one who decided that the object should be hidden on Earth, specifically in the 60s era, particularly due to our fascination with space travel. True. That is one reason he chose Earth. The other reasons he chose to hide the objects in the United States you won't find as flattering. Oh, really? Try me. Remember your own history of the time? The Vietnam War, the war protests, the race riots, the discord. There was disunity on practically every front. The people of the United States were, and still are, very easily one of the most fractured bunch of people in the entire universe. Feiner proposed hiding the objects here because he truly believed that your people would never be able to agree and unify enough to take advantage of the power of the objects. That your argumentative, competitive natures would keep you divided, and in that way, the objects could never be reassembled. Well, that certainly worked so far. Why didn't you use your influencer power on Finer to bring him over to your way of thinking? I've seen you use that power on all kinds of humans over the years. It's truly amazing. Naturally, humans are easily influenced. Just look at the power of social media on your people, and before that, television ads to find your ideas about yourself and about beauty. Humans are no challenge at all to influence, especially with your obsession with physical forms. The right proportions and a human shape and alluring eye color and facial features, even a cute butt can sway your kind. But quellings are different. On quell, my power, as you call it, is more limited. Besides, it very rarely worked on finer. I had to use subtle hints over many of what you would call months of time to make even minor impressions on his thoughts. I couldn't budge his belief that the only way to protect the universe was to turn our star portal runes into the cordax. And there is the pathos of the truth that would have turned Curdy irrevocably to our side of the equation. It worked on me. Fina giving up his life force to change the star portal runes into Quadax, even though it meant separating himself from his life mate. You know, even now, the gravity and the selfless heroism of this act motivates me to give my all to our mission. It adds gravitas and credence to it. Be that as it may, we could have found another solution. Finer's life force and power of transformation need not to have been squandered for others. The Leaders' Council was working on possible solutions when he made his choice. Yeah, our human history has many such stories where people gave up their own lives to protect others, their loved ones, even strangers. Remember the Alamo? I thought that was only a cheesy, overly dramatic movie made by an aging Hollywood star with the most unlikely first name of Marion. Yeah, well, that movie is based on actual historic events, and don't try knocking the Duke. He would be on our side for sure. You know what you are saying is that humans have a history of making rash, unsupported decisions that are later revised by historians to look heroic and selfless. Come on, is that really how you think about what Fina did? You think his actions were rash? You're trying to diminish his efforts. You talk so much about how selfish humans are, but what are you if not selfish? You didn't want Fina to transform the objects because you didn't want to lose him. You're right. I never wanted to lose him. I'm not home without him here beside me. Of course I want to gather all of the objects together so I can get Finer back. Part of him lives in each object we collect. Wait, what? You never told me that before. If we gather all the objects together, Finer comes back? I thought he was dead. Oh, I am so tired of dealing with the limited, finite thinking of humans. 
Don't you get it? Life cannot be destroyed at all. Energy and life are intertwined and always have been. You think in terms of only this life, but life is like a flowing river. This life you are experiencing now is just a fraction of your journey. There is so much more than you know or can even understand. So, if no one really dies, then those dreams I had about Crane where he seemed to be in the room speaking with me, they weren't really dreams? He was there with me? Dreams are one way that humans can interact after what you would call the death of one of the people in the dream. Some of your people have called these lifelike dreams visitations, which are closest to the truth. And the weird things that happen in the dreams. What is that about? That's your brain's attempt to understand what is happening. It gets a little short-circuited at times. One more question while you're in such a forthcoming mood. How is it that in all this time while we've been on this mission, you haven't aged at all? While I show every single minute of mine, do you have some Dick Clark or Goldie Hawn thing going on? Oh, I exist outside of your time. To dumb it down for you, I'm from your future. I won't age here on Earth until we reach my natural timeline, which is approximately 88 years from now. That is the extent of the conversation recorded and flagged as relevant to the search parameters. Well, that is very interesting for sure. So, Dandy has a selfish motive for getting all the Cordax together after all. It does make me wonder if we should be trying to gather these objects together and just who we should be helping. For all we know, our benefactor could be one of the dissidents. I'll be doggone if I let anybody use me. Just like my daddy used to say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, and shame on you again. What shall I do with this information? Pass the conversation on to the research team? Well, now I gotta think a minute. How about you get me an RC cola and a banana moon pie so I can ruminate on everything I've learned today before I make a decision? Just keep it to yourself for now, Sally. Can you do that? As always, my first responsibility is to do as you command, Cordy. Sounds good to me. Friends, we are reaching the close of this episode, and as always, we owe you our thanks for listening. As we tag out and roll the credits, please remember to stay strong, help each other, and don't forget we're all in this together. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep peace in your heart until our next story time. It's Space Crew Talk. We think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple Q. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add Space Crew Talk. For lunching with Lucy in the sky. With Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Crew Talk. Space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode 22 story by Della. Original music by Jeff. Production by Della and Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Rachel Blakesley, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2020 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio production.